it's time to think about summer travel plans. Oh, anyone have anything? <laughs> we, uh, we're going to the Keys, which we tend to do once a year. Just me and Lindsay, no kiddos. My parents opted on their own. They're like, you know, we should take the kids up to, they have a cabin in North Carolina. Like, we're going to take the kids to the cabin. We're like, okay, like, when is it? I have to take time off for work. Like, no, 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 you guys aren't going. I'm like, oh, winter, winter. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. That's so that's good. in that's in July. Kevin, I feel like you go to Hilton Head. That's like your summer. Deal. Oh, you know what? I was about to say we're not going anywhere, but we are going to Hilton Head. Let's see. That's uh, so normal. That's just Oakley crew. Yes. Is that um, all the Oakley people? It all, is. There's all like of them. 20. And oh, now right. we have um, soon to be nephews in law. Oh, oh, they're also joining us. Yeah, we're <laughs> it's funny because, you know, it's my my brother's daughter and her fiance. Okay. Uh, he's coming for the first time. And so everyone splits the cost of the house and, and it's like, well, okay, they're not married. They're not going to share a bedroom yet. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's not happening. And, and so <laughs> the, the future mother-in-law keeps petitioning for like, well, let's put him, maybe put him here or give him this bed here. And the rest of the family is like, he's not in the family yet. He gets like a closet, like give it's him closet. a closet <laughs> and a sleeping bag. I assume he's younger as well with that. Yeah. He's 24. There we go. Okay. Yeah. 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 He'll be fine. Outside. He'll post up He'll in a fine. chair. You can go camp on the beach or something. That's, That's right. right. You sleep outside, kid. Yeah. yeah. The Lions just went to Chicago not too long ago, but you go, you have anything uh, else? Yeah, that was a while back. I mean, we're on basketball travel schedule. So we get to go to like, you know, Springfield and Omaha. I'm not sure that sounds great. All that Boy. stuff for competitive basketball. Everybody who, who's in the worldwide sports, whether it's volleyball, baseball, they know the drill. Like you're traveling within six hours of your location. That's our, but Corey and I are going to go to Phoenix now. here this week. We're excited about that. Ooh, not this, Phoenix. Not this nice. week, this month. Sorry. Just a quick little direct flight to Phoenix in and out. Warm yeah. weather. That's what Corey wanted. So <laughs> I, still get, I still get emails from the Biltmore from when we had the summit there. Yes. A while ago. That was a delightful. That was like five years ago. A that was a ago. delightful hotel. Yeah. They like pay you to come out when it's, I think it's, August, September, when it's 110 degrees, mm-hmm. it's like coming out $800 spa credit or something insane. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. Seems Go out in the sun time. for two minutes. Melt. Get back in. It's good. Nice. I think there should be more vacations this year. Actually, no. So I, that's why I was going to say the Oakleys aren't doing anything. But my wife was going to take some of the kids to Sweden to see her brother. Hmm. They live in a cute little 1400 square foot house with two bedrooms. So it's like, we can't all go and actually stay there, but the tickets, and he was like, oh, they're $600 first class tickets, like to go to, to, to Sweden and back. Doesn't seem bad at all. But that's only if you're flying from Sweden to here and back to Sweden. If you're, oh. if you are doing it from the U S it's $2,800 a ticket. Hmm. Okay. So we're not we're not going. No. That, <laughs> um, but for up. those of you who think that Kevin like was you you probably know I would have paid whatever ticket prices were, but my wife was like, uh yeah, no, we're not I'm not going to see my brother. I don't love him that much. He can come much. here three times. Yeah. For the same price. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Pay for him to come here and still work out on the end. Oh, shoot. All right, let's get started. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com.
Welcome to episode 278. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is Andrew Peak and the one and only Mr. Mike Lyon. Hey! That's right. That's right. 278. We're going to hit 300 soon. Uh, ah, it's getting close. Listen, 278, that is 20 times, 20 podcasts less than Meta has called me so far. They're at 299 <laughs> times they've called me. That's not bad. They're calling They everyone. call me. I we don't touch Meta in. ads. I love it. No. And Google's log into Facebook. Oh my goodness. I, I, I will queue up a reply. That's like kind of like a little smart. And I'm like, if you fix your system and then I'm like, this isn't worth my time. I get like three or four emails per day calls. Everyone gets it. It's successful. Oh, it's insane. Exhausting. Andrew, that's what we have to do. We have to create a plugin for chat GPT that, <laughs> you know, how, you know, how there's, there's a guy, he has a podcast where he just like punks, uh, scammers from Nigeria. Oh, mm-hmm. And then he shares the the full story. We should just do that. Like, how long can ChatGPT engage someone from Google or Meta? That would be amazing. And just like uh, spin the wheels. That would that'd go viral. If we're trying to formulate something that would go viral. Let's do it. Oh man. All right. Story time. Here we go. What's in the what's Kevin, in the while world? you were on the road, why don't you go first, man? Oh man. You got yeah. back so from I, the Builder One Hundred. You were it was I, like the ZYC Roadshow. I what? know. I started out with a Builder 20 uh, class in the morning for a quick four hours of, of sharing marketing Sounds insights intense. with owners, uh, which was which was awesome. I think three quarters of them are attending the summit now as a result. So that uh, that was that was fantastic to see. Um, then got on a plane to to Nashville to the Epcon National Conference, and uh, got to speak to one group about online sales and. Um, kind of how that it continues to evolve over time and change. Uh, gosh, almost, I felt like there was about 150, 160 people in the room, most of which are not actually online salespeople. Hmm. Um, but it was, that, that was fantastic. And then of course we talked about the market proof algorithm to the marketers. Uh, Epcon just does a great job putting on, I mean, they're, they're one of the few franchise organizations that, that completely fulfills the franchise obligation to their franchisees. And that that conference is a great, I mean, there's other amazing names, Allie Wolf from Zonda, uh, Jason Forrest and, uh, was there, um, Matt Collins, just fa fantastic lineup of speakers to talk to all the franchisees, which they now have nice. um, 80 wow. different Epcon franchisees. So wow. when I was talking to, to their team, it's like, wow, that's, they're all Epcon builders, but it's the same number of builders that we're working with. And they have a team that's half our size, uh, you know, pulling off all that support. So, and cool. then the builder 100, which, oh my gosh, there's so many uh, different things. I think the first thing we should do though, is, um, um, Lindsay Haltom from homes by Tabor, uh, did a panel with Lauren Fox from Beezer and Steve, uh, Whaley from Fisher homes. And she did a rapid fire question. And we're all going to do the same thing. Thumbs up oh. or thumbs down. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. And th Ready. this was the we question that caused the most story. controversy. No one could answer it. It took like five seconds and then they disagreed. Okay. Is that marketing's job is to support the sales organization? Yes thumbs or no? Up thumbs up or thumbs down? It's to support. I'm, I'm putting thumbs down. I know. I'm okay. Thumbs up. So, so look at this. Who's, who up. was right? Is it, was there a right or wrong? Well, we should support just talk about Support might be the quick. word. That because Andrew I have put told, thumbs up, I put, I put thumbs, thumbs down, Kevin put thumbs down just for, and I think Andrew, it's partially my fault. Cause I've said for a decade that marketing's job mm -hmm. is to support sales, uh, organizations, like to be a servant leader within the organization yeah, to, maybe, is, is part of being maybe a good marketer. 
uh, my prediction is maybe the word support you have heartburn with of what that actually means. No. So I, then, then later, um, I went out to dinner with several people who Lauren and Steve may or may not have been in the mix of those individuals, but I was like, let's talk more about that question. Why do you think that was so hard to answer? And the answer is that eight to 10 years ago, it would have been an easy thumbs up, a hundred percent thumbs up. And now, and don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but now marketers perspectives are like, just please don't screw it up. Salespeople. Like, can you say hello? Can you register them? Can you follow up? It's, it just has, I think it speaks to the amount of the customer journey that marketing influences and is, and is interacting with the customer on versus mm -hmm. the percentage that sales is. And so when you talk about support, it's kind of like, well, we've supported them so much that we got them to you, the salesperson. And so that's where my answer now would, would be, and I'm not sure to, to probably a no. But it was just interesting uh, kind of thinking yeah, through that. Yeah, that is interesting. I think it's um, there's probably some bias there. And if people think, well, who is making the decisions? And support might lean towards that sales is leading and making the decisions. And then marketing does whatever sales says. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, we're supporting based on the business goals, that which is over mm -hmm. sales. Like selling yeah. homes is over. And that's where if you, if you trade out the word sales for revenue, Rev then it's an easy thumbs better. up. Right? That, that is our job. But I think, it, I think they work a, together. I think they work together. 100%. I don't think that marketing supports sales. I think marketing mm. creates awareness, uh, builds communities, puts that out to the universe and generates leads. Yeah. Now there's going to be some supportive things that they have to do for salespeople like on site and materials and collateral yeah. and, and CRM and some of those things. But yeah, support would be strong word for Yeah, me. definitely not subservient. In no, any way, not at anymore. All. Not at all. It's almost like e equals. I, I, I like that, Mr. Lion. Equals. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, I don't know, Captain and Tennille. Let's, let's look at some other power couples out there. I, I like know. the revenue. I don't, word. I don't know. Who, who are those people? Captain and Tennille. Okay. Well, I mean, it's like from the 70s. I don't know either. Captain and so. Tennille is like an old. Oh, wow. That was terrible. Sorry. Lost half the audience right there shoot, with Captain shoot. and Tennille. Nah. We can Google See, that one. We're later. not going to tell people? It's a, it's a band. Like it's a terrible oh, okay. band it's so okay. from the seventies. Captain and Tennille. Link, link in the show notes, maybe. But okay, here, here's, and I, and I recorded, I recorded a six and a half minute overview. So I'll keep it short in all access. You can go watch that as well. But, um, Spencer Raskoff did a panel oh, that's and cool. he said something, Mike, that I almost just wanted to stand up and applaud in front of everyone else there. Um, the question was about chatbots and the use of, of automation in engaging with customers uh, through sure. chat. Yeah. And Spencer, someone who co-founded Zillow, uh, led, the, led the charge to build out an internal team to respond to leads because the agents and brokers and builders are sending right. leads to weren't doing it well enough. Right. And a guy who's invested in probably close to 50 different prop tech organizations He's like, uh, hold on, everyone. Let me just like that. That might not be a good idea. <laughs> it's like if someone and he used verbiage very similar to what we he's like, if someone raises their hand on a purchase of this size, you might just want to make sure a human being is available. Right. And uh, and I think his final statement was like, I mean, sure, maybe in, in like in a very, very initial um, interaction or sending to scheduling services. He's like, even that like proceed with caution. 
Yeah. And I, I was like, Oh, I think I did clap, but I didn't stand up. I was just like, this is, that was good. Well, listen, you don't want to be railroaded for being anti chat GPT. You know, you got to uh, be embracing that technology and having it manage your email for you. So, yeah, the other, and there's, there's some more, we'll, we'll save some and just kind of parse it out over episodes, but connecting with where I think you want to go, Mike, he also gave a fantastic example of how chat GPT is not thinking just again, everyone uh-huh. chat GPT is not thinking. It is, it is pattern recognition and prediction of what the next word is in the sentence based upon the topic. And he used the example of, he asked, he asked it, uh, who founded Picasso, which is a company that he and Austin Alred uh, co-founded. It's worth a billion dollars or uh, ha- has a bunch of money invested in it. And it's fractional ownership of luxury properties. And the answer that came back from ChatGP was that Rich Barton, the co-founder of Zillow and Spencer, also a co-founder of Zillow, were were the founders of Picasso. And he goes, that's the perfect example of how it works because all of the internet that it had consumed, the the likelihood that Spencer and Rich's names were in close proximity to each other was extremely high. And so that's why it made a quote unquote guess that those two were the founders, just because it looked at, and and, and partly by the way, if you you know Spencer at all, um, he doesn't really love the fact that he's no longer part of Zillow and kind of the way that all went down. And, and I'm not saying that he and Rich don't like each other, but it kind of seems like they don't love each other. Uh, so, so like it was just a, it was like a perfect example though, of how we keep trying to remind people it's a great tool. It is not thinking yet. Yet just yet. wait until yet. Skynet. Yes, Skynet. Yeah. Well, well, and that's, and the, the, you know, my story time, I guess the, what I have to bring to the table here is just the, the, the amount of people now that are starting to say, hey, like, what do you think? And they just use chat GPT, chat GPT for online sales or chat GPT for the CRM. And and I go, hey, like, listen, I'm all for certain use cases to make our life easier. I'm all for certain use cases for any kind of GPT, whatever instance to help an online sales specialist become superhuman. Um, you know, there's, there's kind of two forms because ultimately it's just right now, it's just like a response, you know, your query, you get a response, you get some of that stuff back. I can proofread things that can give you, you know, five different subject lines based on whatever. I mean, all those things will be important if you can layer that in to a CRM the right way. But, you know, I've heard a couple of people talking about how, well, wouldn't it be great? Like with auto GPT that's come out recently, that's can do the things mm-hmm. that humans are doing. And tying in, they're using these use cases like, well, now you can just tell it to go find you these people and send the email based on what they had talked about. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. Like that's maybe okay for certain types of sales instances, but in the complex sales world, like you, that's not going to be helpful yet. No. I, I mean, I would like, the, it would be great if you could say, create a prospecting list of people most likely to engage who I haven't talked with in 45 days. That's magical. If you get to a point where Mm -hmm. we can do that and it can give you something to do. Um, I think we're going to get there, but you've got all the privacy stuff hung up around it. Like you're going to feed all your data into something from the outside. I don't even know how that. Well, that was interesting. Someone else who was uh, the CEO of a public company. Let's see, which one was it? It doesn't matter. But he, he, he said that, he almost for a minute was going to put his entire um, conference call notes into chat GPT and make something better than what he would say. And he yeah. was kind of joking, 
He goes, and then my legal team said, yeah, you definitely can't do that. That's illegal. Like you can't give priority information that's not been disclosed as a public company to a system (laughs) to then give you something back. That's, that's the slippery slope that, I mean, I don't mean to sound like an old stuffy person, but it's like, we don't give a database over to something that's who knows what they could do with that kind of information yeah. yet where it goes until we can wall it off until we can block it off until we can mm-hmm. make it just for the CRM until the, I mean, Salesforce is putting stuff in place. HubSpot's putting stuff in place. So I'm, I'm watching like, you know, closely, but proceed with caution. Yeah. And I, I welcome it as the helper. Um, just don't like in the, in the world of home building and home sales and real estate and big ticket items in general, it's going to be a helper for a really, really long time. Where do you it's see it? It's not going to be a replacer yet. Where do you see it helping the most as far as formulating new, um, new emails, just like easier communication? Yeah, I mean, like and, and that kind of stuff can happen now. Like if someone really yeah. want to do, it, but wouldn't it be great if there was just a button that says, Hey, improve this email for me. Or, Hey, you know, give me a different subject line for this. Or, you know, th- that can kind of happen now, but doing on a one by one case would be cool or live kind of like what Gmail does now as you're typing, you know, the suggestions. Yeah. So I think that stuff is kind of already there. Yeah. Especially if it um, learns how you how you communicate exactly versus and that's what I've noticed. I think I'm like I think I've been chat GPT. Is that a I don't know is that a verb? Two times now. I'll send them after this to see if you guys my like alarm goes off like this doesn't seem like this person, and it doesn't seem like a way you'd communicate with someone who you've maybe had forty emails with over the past six months. I'm like this is well, weird. And, and so that I'm like goes- that doesn't fit right. I'm not even trying to we're not selling each other. Imagine a salesperson like. Like, yeah, that's, right. not, that's not the right context, but if it learns you, it's like, well, Andrew says this, he does this, these emojis, he doesn't use these emojis, whatever it is in there, that would be really Andrew's, cool. Andrew's emoji list, he has it down. Yeah, here's well, my he, three. And that's the, that's the, the, the big the kind of two to takeaways. Number one, garbage in, garbage out. So does, whatever we're feeding sure. into, whatever we use, chat GPT or something else, AI. If it's bad data in, like you're going to get bad stuff out, just like Kevin was talking about mm-hmm. that example. And the second thing is handing this over to any sales rep, like to go, oh, hey, just make an email. Like, oh my gosh, my email's done. And you look at the email, you're like, no, that's not what we're sending and how we're sending it. So yeah. that's always where I'm like, even online sales specialists who are doing this all the time, we're going to proceed with caution mm-hmm. um, on, on all of this. And no, it's not the end all be all. It really just, a, it's a, it's a, text natural language response search tool it's not going to be able to do people's jobs for us as much as they're hyping it up out there that they're replacing yeah. people now i don't know coding like i've heard some of the stuff with coding and everything else like man i think code well again people. it's it's all about how much prompting you give it and that's what right. if there's a if there's a pro tip to just remind you about uh probably three months ago or so we talked about one shot two shot no shot prompts and so to just say, hey, give me a great sale, sales email about X is not a good prompt to give it. If no. you gave it two or three previously written, high performing, high result emails and said, give me another one that says the same thing in a different way, you're going to get much better results because you're you're feeding it multiple examples of the output you're looking for. That's so right. that's where you, you just ask a blank question with no other prompts. You're not going to get something out that you love. Also, I thought this was awesome from the, from uh, Mark Davidson at at thousand watt. He posted this the other day. He said, here's how you should use chat GPT as a marketer, ask chat GPT to come up with marketing, copy taglines, headlines, or subject lines, whatever your specific need is, and then don't use them (laughs) or more, or more specifically use them to steer you to what not to write versus what to start with. 
And the idea is as marketers, we can't just be like everyone else. You have to have a yin to everyone else's yang or a different, a different point to lean on of differentiation, or you're just an, another noise in, in the vastness of people screaming at you. Yeah. I thought that was really, really good too. I, yeah. And that's the, the avoiding everything and kind of coming to the center and just becoming oatmeal. We always want to do that, but listen, I'm excited for it. Like I'm excited yeah, to same. we've been talking about AI in CRMs forever. So now I think it's there. I mean, we saw the, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the Zillow, the, the stuff with Zillow, the stuff with Redfin now supposedly pr- yeah. giving back results. It's like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. I guess we'll watch what happens there. Yeah. Right within chat GPT. Yeah. I know, it's just, it is one of the, it's, it is on, on the list uh, further down the line, but I, yeah, it just, it, it's a calculator for reading and writing. And, yeah. and so I think Andrew, back to your thing of one of the ways that it really would help. Uh, and I think this came from a, a New York times author. I saw said something to this effect of, they knew they were going to go meet these three or four famous people within the next 24 hours at a particular event that they would be mutually attending. And so it just said, and, and again, it must've been the Microsoft Bing version because it had to have had some current information to look at. It was like, give me four uh, potential things that that person has written or said to ask them about when I meet them. So this, this idea of, again, amplifying the personal, you're only gonna have so much time to interact with that individual. How can I make an actual human connection as quickly as possible without having to spend you know, two weeks stalking them online? I think, I think that's the kind of example of any salesperson who can do that and make a human connection faster and cut through that digital pollution. They'll, they'll win. I agree. And also I heard this in, in the Delta sky lounge during my eight hour uh, delay to get to the builder 100 event, eight hours, this guy sitting behind me, I have no idea where he's from, but he was some, some fortune 100 company who's thinking about changing uh, the CRM system that they're using. And they were talking to different implementation partners. So he's talking about slalom and, and his implementation companies and then Microsoft dynamics and Salesforce, et cetera. And again, who knows, this is all just hearsay. He's like, I was talking to the president of Microsoft yesterday. I'm like, oh, okay, Sacha, Sacha Nadella. <laughs> all right. And he goes, and he is like convinced that they're about to, to just destroy Salesforce because they have access to this better AI technology that they can implement and just add into the mix that will make their dynamic CRM system perform better than all of the chaos and our, our like layers of complexity that Salesforce has in it. And it was like, no, now the, the interface doesn't even really matter. If you can make the interface conversational, then the tool itself can kind of fade in the background and they feel like they're gonna go destroy Salesforce. Now, again, it's just interesting how those kind of conversations apparently are happening uh, at, at pretty pretty big levels. That is interesting. So I my popcorn, I'll be watching. Yeah, I'll be I'll right. pull the popcorn. Last <laughs> week, Kevin on the podcast, um, I said that dashboards are dumb. Um, ooh, ooh, Uh-oh. yeah. I was like, ooh, let's be controversial. Let's say something <laughs> that that like will like get people like thinking this guy's an mm-hmm. idiot or something. Um, but I said it in context of dashboards are dumb for people who are in charge of clicking the buttons and managing things because you're just adding this extra step versus like, we're not, we're not driving the race car. We don't need a dashboard. We're the mechanics. We're the team on the tires and suspension engine, all that stuff. So you don't look at how fast it's going here. Like that, that's uh-huh. like a quick glance you assume. Yep. 
What do you feel about that? I think you're mostly right. The, on, the only reason they're not dumb is if you're, if you're sharing that dashboard with, you know, the pit boss in your analogy, mm-hmm. then you still better know what it looks like and, and right. like what they're seeing. But if you're using that in terms of your day-to-day uh, function, then like don't, in our terms, right, don't shortchange your coffee and analytics time for coffee and dashboard time. Like that's not. Oh, that's good. Not no the cap- same thing. No it's, it's a level of abstraction time. away from the actual thing that you need to be be dealing with. Now, if you're a sales manager, you're a yeah, CEO, you're long. a COO, dashboard all day long. And in fact, you'll probably cause more pain if you go beyond the dashboard. Like it's better to see the dashboard and ask the actual experts in your organization a question than to try to go ever, ever deeper. Yep. And that, so yeah, that, was, that was, yeah, that was last week was like, oh, if you're actually the one clicking the buttons, managing things or being the advocate for your builder because a vendor's managing your ads, like 99% of your time should be in Facebook and Google ads, Google analytics. But it seems like there's this uptick really the past month or so of data studio. I, I just can't call it looker studio. I, I don't oh, know. It's, it's looker studio. It's Get looker, used to it. Looker <laughs> studio. They have to change. It's an awful name. I'm like, man, if you're not able to, now there's more advanced things that we, I do convert do in looker studio that most people aren't, aren't doing. That's hundred percent. But the ability to create bit better dashboards or just kind of like on demand, like, oh, shoot, Mike needs this. It's four o'clock Eastern time. I have time to get it done for Mike. Like, I should just be able to get it done. Like, I think the having that skill set, I think it's going to be super, super important, um, mm-hmm. even more so like now, especially with Google Analytics 4 coming out, which there's more and more little speed bumps along the way with that, um, which we're go- going to help everyone out with. Well, but the ability again, to get this to give a shout made, out. To give a shout out to Steve uh, from Fisher on his panel, they were also asking like, what are the, what's the thing that you're pretty certain AI won't help you with? Ooh. And his point was AI can just look at history and tell you what happened. It's not going to be good at predicting what's going to happen next necessarily. Like it's, it's not going to tell the future. There's, there's too many variables to be able to tell, tell the future. And the further you go out to a week, a month, a quarter, a year, and, and so I think that's the other thing that that I think about when you're saying those things, Andrew, is like there's this temptation of I wish AI would just be able to look at my dashboard and tell me what's most important. Right. Or from it's a, like from mining, an executive. mining it for like, oh, you need this metric. You need this point. But that's you better still making. have that human in the loop because right. it's just going to be backward looking and it's going to tell you what the problem was, not necessarily what your team's already doing to try to fix it. Or it's just... Like we're, we're clamoring. What are we, maybe this is. This really this is turned into the AI podcast. I, I said we weren't oh, leaving we're story get time, to, I think. We might get to some other stuff maybe, but uh, it's important because it, it's captured everyone's attention. Yeah. But what yeah. is it about AI that everyone becomes so obsessed with it? Like what is it at its root, at its core that we want so much? I think it, to me, I, I don't know. It seems like it could do things that will save you a significant amount of time and do them well. Like I could say, take this paragraph and make it a bulleted list. 10 seconds later, it's done. Five seconds later, it's done. Or Mm -hmm. this is not related to home building whatsoever, but I tested it because I'm into bodybuilding and all that stuff. Like make a diet, 2,500 calories. That's paleo, dairy-free, vegan, XXX, and it spits it out. But this was a while ago. I'm like, who says this is correct? Like where's the, where's what's that Snopes? It's factometer or whatever it is. Like who knows? This could be lying. I don't know. So that's where I get nervous for like, well, who says this is right? Or like the list you're meeting people 
like, I don't know my client at all. I need to, I'm meeting with him tomorrow night. Da, 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 we're going to dinner. Give me 10 facts about my client. Gives you a so, so speed, client. speed and saving time is your answer. Mike, yeah, do you have any other? Well, yeah, I definitely think the efficiency of getting to the desired result quicker, whether that is writing something for you or getting you an answer or creating a meal plan or all that stuff that that's cool. And the novelty of it is watching it just happen right in front of you. Like, this yeah. is amazing. There's a novelty, isn't there? It's happening so quick. But then when you actually get the result, like if you'd sent that off to someone and say, give me something back, you'd be like, eh, I mean, it's okay. Like it's, it's rare that it's spot on yet, but mm -hmm. that natural language stuff, the just ability to interface and layer over that over the data is I think what everybody's going, oh, this is interesting. And then just the fact of how many people have been using it so quickly and are feeding <laughs> stuff into it. That's the scary part is like, holy cow, this stuff is learning quicker. So when I look at, when I think about all of it together, it's like, okay, this is just rapid. I mean, this is yeah, super fast. And I so think it's the, deep, and it's the deep part of our brain that wants to shortcut answers. Oh yeah. So, so I think, I think why we're excited about this is we just want the answer as fast as possible. I think speed is part of it, but the also, it's just, I don't want to waste calories or energy thinking about this. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. that's the thing to be most careful of. I think, uh, especially if, again, if you're, this, this is a common topic at the event was if you're a CEO or a COO, you have this immense pressure to always feel like you're pushing your organization forward and doing something innovative or, or, you know, being a disruptor versus being disrupted. But the danger is you don't know what the heck you don't know. And so you're just like, Hey, everyone, you know, it's, it's 2012. We need an app. Don't we, we need an app. Let's get an app. Uh, hey, we need to use AI. Don't we, we need to use AI. And that that's the, like, if you're trying to get it as a shortcut to, to critical thinking, it, it's the meaty middle is the answer. It's not, it's giving you the essential, the average answer, right? That's yeah. essentially what it does. Yeah. If you want to be average, by all means, go ahead. But if you use it as a calculator, then, and then maintain the humanity, you're, you're, you have the ability to be above average. So, all right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Andrew, actual story time piece from you. Oh, actual, uh, that was my story time, which is combining those two. But this, the actual story is it's like 10 X more data studio, looker studio changes and modifications for like five weeks now, which is <laughs> bizarre. Um, and it's, it's goofier things too. So I'm getting like Bryce, Becca, Sarah, like everyone on team, like, Hey, we need to do this. I'm like, Oh, hmm, that's interesting. Let's get it done. People. So people are again, using they're, them they're, more, but that's fed and me that's to like, great. don't use it. If you're the person that's in charge of managing and actually executing the work, that's my kind of, not fear well, or my fear for like people attend no, the academy. I'm like, I want their careers to prosper and grow. If they're in dashboard land and they're the marketing, whatever title I'm like, Ooh, in, in two years, the person that's in analytics every day versus in a dashboard every day, the person that's been in it for two years and every day they're going places dashboard person. I don't think so. Yeah. And that's, that's the only thing I would add to that. Be cautious about dashboards as the replacement for your own presence with that executive leadership team. Like Ooh, that's good. it is better. I mean, and, and I know, right. Some folks focus on efficiency over all things. And so you say, just get me out of any meeting I don't need to be in. But if there's a meeting with the CEO, the COO, the CFO, and the CMO is not invited because they feel like they just have the dashboard. I don't think that's a good thing. 
So nah, be, be careful also about how you like, don't just give them raw data as a substitute for you being able to interpret that data for them. It's, it's a balance, but it's a balance. all right. Yeah. On to the news. First up from do you convert.com. Uh, let's see. I need, oh, hold on. I don't want to use this. I don't get to use it very often. My favorite site. On the, <laughs> the drum roll. Let's the go. First quarter 2023 online sales benchmarks have been released. Mr. Lyon, what do they say? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to be here to share these benchmarks with you, which I mean, it's always a struggle bus getting everybody turning and get their reporting accurate <laughs> uh, on time. But yeah, the benchmarks came in and there were a couple of surprises um, that we saw. We were definitely watching some trends coming from Q4 of last year, but there were some surprises out there. Real quick, before we get into the actual numbers, 31 markets represented total. We had 136 online sales specialists that were wow. measuring um, that's not everybody that we work with, but it's the ones that are included in this reporting because the reporting has to be basically standardized. So everybody's got to do it the same way. And there were 54,794 leads in that first quarter that we looked at. Now, it's if you compare that to Q4 of last year, it was up. Oh, let me look at this. It was up how, what percentage A 45% increase from, from Q4, which that's where all the yeah, online that feels good. Yeah, they're like, oh, oh man, we're back. It feels great. You know, oh my gosh, they're coming in. This is an awesome start to the year. If you compared that to Q1 of 2022, we were down by almost 50%, 49% decrease compared to a year ago, which is, I think, is just interesting data to look at because it's such a wild swing, but still, it feels yeah. so great, even though we're down half yeah. compared to last year. We're, we're up compared to the fourth quarter and, and their quality. By the way, everyone, it's only getting hotter out there. I mean, yeah. April kicked Q1's butt for most people. Like yeah. just blew it away in terms of sales results. Yeah. And the leads are coming in, the sales are coming in, the quality is higher. So that's all awesome. Um, when we look at the benchmarks, uh, we saw a lead appointment kept ratio at 40%, which is up from the average in 2022, which was 37%. So we saw a 3% increase. That's telling us we're doing a good job and lead quality is great, right? Um, appointment to sale was flat in, in the first quarter compared to last year, 18%, compared to 2022 average of 18%. Now this was the big, uh, ooh, interesting stat. Online sales percentage, so the contribution, like online sales percentage of total sales. So what we call our online sales contribution rate was 43%, and that was down from 52% average in 2022. Now, hang on. That's, before that's we... a joking sound effect, by the way. I know. Right? It's a I know. joke. But... So it is, it right. is. I mean, that's 9%, right? Yeah. So that's a swing. And we looked at that, and I, and I think that's what I want to talk about here in this section and get some stuff back from you guys is I we have some theories on on to why this is happening, some pretty well-founded theories, um, but it's down everywhere. Now, I, I do want to break something out. We have what we call top performers or established programs, combination of both, and they're sitting in 51% land. So they're still above 51%, but that yep. is still down from their highs of like 60%. So across the board, whether you're top performing or in all of our benchmarks, that has moved down almost 10% um, on the contribution. It is nothing to be scared about. It's nope. just something to pay attention to, right? 
So I think the first thing that would be helpful if I was listening to you, Mike, would be for yeah. you to share the things that you know are not the reason why, because we're going to speculate about the reasons why we think it is. But I think there's also things that we know are not the reason why, meaning how, how those 136 online salespeople have been trained and their processes have been set up have not changed dramatically from well now okay so I'll, I'll 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 challenge that one just a little bit i do believe one like so if we were going to take a nine percent drop and yeah. assign some things to like where we think that nine percent is before we get into the, what it's not i don't think it's not online sales specialists wanting to do a great job i think there is a little bit of a skills gap that mm -hmm. we have and we have to address um because of, you can of how to handle volume what, what or how, how to be helpful what, what type of skills are Here, here's the perfect example in the before times for the past 24 months let's call it if if you had something you were setting an appointment your levels of qualification were different what you were asking was different how how many objections you had to overcome were different mm. so there's behavioral things that they have been trained on by the market and the consumer yep. gotcha. that they're like oh they're not going to just come out now because we have inventory no they've got six other builders with homes to look at too. So there's some of that skills gap. Um, there's some of the prospecting skills gap, you know, our ability to go back and start getting in touch with those leads, you know, the personalization side of that. So it's not that they haven't been trained on it. It's just that they haven't utilized it as much. So I think yeah. that could probably be assigned to two to 3% of that dip, but that's about Don't it. Don't you think though that online sales people are generally trying harder? So again, there might, there might still be a skills gap, but when I have my interaction with online salespeople or sales online sales managers on our leadership calls, they're talking about adding in additional follow-up steps or adding, you know, making sure video email has been returned as part of that process. So I, I feel like as a general average uh, statement that there's more follow-up occurring from online sales now than there was four months ago. Uh, that yes, on some follow up and some tactical things, but again, when you get into dealing directly with a customer on the soft skills side, mm -hmm. there's there's yeah, you're talking about once you have them on the phone, once you're once you're it's a combination of both. Like, listen, it's a combination yeah. of both. Yes, a lot of these folks are our clients, but it's still like when you get in with the individuals, like, hey, we're not quite where we need to be to treat it in a more traditional market. Because really, when we look yeah. at this, we're going back to 2019. It's not like we're going backwards, backwards. We're above 2019. 2019 was a 39% yeah. contribution rate. Um, but I think there is some of that where I really assign most of this, you know, dip or the contribution rate is when you start going full blown inventory that's out there. When inventory exists out in the world for people to come in and see in, in a multitude of ways um, by just being out there and aware of it on the MLS you know, you've got YouTuber locks on everything. It's going to just, you're going to bypass online sales naturally. And that's not a bad thing. We're still getting traffic, more walk-in traffic and maybe not as much online sales traffic. So I think we can assign some of that to the inventory side. And then ultimately too, realtors are back, you know, they're crawling out of the woodwork. They've got nothing to show. All they got is our stuff to show. I mean, inventory is down 25%. Mm -hmm. You know, your used home inventory, your resale stuff, they're coming out to builders and they have a tendency to skip online sales just because they know the drill. So maybe a fair way to talk about a glass half full is that these are incremental sales that we're getting from an audience that, that in the past might not have considered new construction because they would have found what they were looking for on the used home market. They're working with an agent. That's fair. 
Consumer, yeah. Cause I, again, I don't, I don't think, uh, not to defend any brokers or agents listening. I still believe that the consumer is usually the one leading, uh, themselves and their agent to a particular builder most of the time. Oh, sure. But I think they might've already engaged with that agent or broker. And now they're, now they're hunting and all they're finding that they want to go see. And that looks, um, you know, affordable or has incentives or um, financing opportunities around it is new construction. So 30% of all homes sold now, one third almost are, are new construction. That's right. Up from one That's out of 10. Yeah. On, on the averages. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And we think about that, like you said, I, I, it is rare that a, um, a realtor a real estate agent is going to go, Hey, I went out and looked at all these builders and found a couple of these homes for you. No, it's, yeah. it's flip-flop. They're on Zillow. They're on the MLS, they're mm -hmm. getting the updates and the, and the buyer is directing them that way. But if you think about a realtor in general, they kind of act like the online sales specialists for the buyer on when they got that representation. Yeah. And so they're like, well, we don't need to talk to someone in online sales unless you are really funneling everything, even realtor traffic through online sales, which a, a, right. a good amount of builders do that, right? They treat yeah, their- And, and you, you probably partner. should. Yeah. The other thing that, um, you know, th this thing we've talked about a couple of times, but I'm not sure how much we've talked about on the podcast is that walk-in traffic's appointment to sale rate. So if a walk-in traffic unit walks in the door, it becomes a meaningful conversation around pricing that lasts 15 minutes or longer, which is my definition of an appointment. Those folks are converting at like 30, 40, 50%. And so people are subconsciously or consciously like, well, I want those. How do I get those? But you're, you're not going to because those are the weird people who are so driven and motivated that they're just going to show up. But the dynamic of just showing up in 21 didn't work and wouldn't have been attribution for onsite because onsite would have said, no, nah, hold on there. We got this process. You need to go call this person, get on the list and we'll call you back, which would have pushed them back through the online funnel. Right. So what I'm saying is it might even be because most people are saying walking traffic might be up 10% ish from where it was before it's not. And I don't think ever going to come back to where it was, but that walk-in traffic before would have been, repurpose back through the online sales funnel. Now they're like, Oh yeah, come on in. We got stuff. Yeah. Like let's, let's, let's go. Makes well, that's sense. the, that's the, you know, the final piece there too, is you're, you're seeing, we're seeing marketing stuff. That's just pushing open houses again. I mean, you know, wild stuff that we never did before. So mm -hmm. there's definitely a, a push to, we want to get people in the door, no matter yeah. how, how, what way. And that was another common theme of the builder 100 conference. Not, I'm not, I'm not saying this, the CEOs on the stage were saying this, is they are kind of ticked off about how much money they're paying realtors. Just it's their words, not, not ours. Uh, you know, we believe that you should, you should compensate realtors fairly and consistently, not just for a given market, but you know, what, what is the fair amount that you believe realtors should be compensated, set it that way, and then deal with, with the ramifications of it. But this constant going back and forth, you know, there's like, we have short-term memories, realtors have long-term memories and just, do something fair, but uh, I think, think it was a gentleman from Brookfield residential. It was like, look, you know, we're, we're paying three, four, 5% to, to these folks. And so I'm just saying that to, to the point of there is this goal that of how do we find cost savings in anything we can do to make our homes more affordable and sales and marketing is, is like on the bullseye target of where they're going to look to reduce costs and online sales done properly is a hundred percent a way to, to have an opportunity to reduce expenses, not increase them.
Yeah, absolutely. If you can, anytime you can go direct to consumer, anytime you can nurture the customer through, anytime you can uh, maximize the lead that has been created, you always have a reduced, you know, a reduced cost. And that's, I think that's something that people miss. Like we, it took us a lot to create that lead in the first place. So let's maximize how we are nurturing that potential future home buyer and work them through the process. So overall teams are, teams are doing it. They're kind of coming out of what I would call like the hot market hibernation or a little bit of that hangover that they had. And they're getting back to that real nitty gritty work, but there's still, you know, there's still some stuff that the behavioral things that you have to just slough off. It's a habit, you know, it's habitual conversation style of conversations, getting them to an appointment, making sure they understand what the ultimate goal is, getting them out in front of their salespeople as quickly as possible. So yep. they're doing a good job, but the benchmarks are shown. And it's, again, it's not like one or two or three builders pulling some stuff down. This is across the board. We are seeing this stuff start to match. So that's always the data we want to pay attention to. Yeah. And, and consistently putting out every quarter. Good, good job to, to you and the team. Uh, oh no, it ain't me. Like, listen, it's Amanda on our team. Yeah, It's the team a, and you, right? Yeah. I, I just, like I just get on a podcast and talk about it. That's all I do. <laughs> Amanda and Jen and yeah, Jesse. And, and absolutely. Working together on that one. Yeah. And all the, and really yeah, all the builders job. that are just keeping their, their numbers and their metrics up to date. We, we believe that's important. Like you've got something live all the time that you can be looking at. So I think that's important. Going back to the whole yeah. dashboards are dumb. Not our online sales dashboard. We love that no. one. No, See, that is. We love that one, Andrew. That is useful. Yeah. Which is, yeah. 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 Every marketer, I mean, every marketer should know those numbers just as well as their Oh, nothing will make me more crazy than when I'm on a call and I ask a marketer, like how is sales for the month? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. How many leads like, did you get? How many leads? I don't know. Um, like, no one's complained yet. Like, that's yeah. so, yeah, that's so odd to me. When when I was in e-commerce, it was like day. It was an obsession. Like, what was revenue yesterday? What was sales yesterday? By the hour. Like, isn't that what, nor that's normal. I feel like that's normal. I don't know. That's what the marketer should be doing. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to do the articles out of order because I don't want to do yeah. uh, two positives and then a negative. So from Builder Online, uh, Builder Magazine's website, 72% of renters say they'll never be able to afford a home. Ooh. Owning a home is a goal for 85% of renters, but 76% say homes are not affordable for the average American, according to a home bay survey. Do you think and any... that was one of the one of the speakers at the Builder 100 referenced? Uh, I don't know if it's this particular stat or another one, but basically, 70% of the people in this room. Uh, or 70% of the people in the United States would not be able to afford anything built by anybody in the room. Well, that's depressing. Do you, do you think, that's um, do you think some yeah. caveats could be added to that? So I've been, for some reason, we have a lot of, we have no friends my age. I'm 33. We have a lot of friends that are like 25 to 29, which is to me that used to be like early 20s. Like they're getting married, like they're, they're starting to look at buying a house. Then we have friends that are like around 40. I don't know what it is. We have this odd, we have no one right there. So speaking to the ones that are younger, they want, I live in a county. There's not much land, a starter home, a two, two or three twos, 350 to 450, depending on how, what school essentially, what, what the school is. So that's, that's a fair bit, but they are, they're able to afford rent, which is 25 to 3000 per month, which is not fun, but the mortgage would be almost the same, but getting that down payment is like talking to them like, we don't know how to save. They both have 
legitimate jobs. Mm-hmm. Like no one's working at Starbucks at part-time and then doing this. I'm like, I don't know. Most don't know about down payment assistance programs. Not that that is applicable to the whole world, but yeah, I, I feel this and see this every day. Just so your, 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 your contention is that all these people just aren't educated enough to understand that they actually could afford the down uh, for payment similar payment as what getting, they're paying. Getting the right? financing. I think they could, the cash flow is fine. Like they could afford the mortgage every day, every month. They're already paying it now, renting. But getting the down payment is is the challenge. They also assume they need 20%, which is insane to me. I'm like, but, it, but it's still pushed that 20%, 20%, 20%. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what about PMI? I'm like, well, if you have good credit, PMI is a whole, a whole lot less than having a negative 100% loss on what you're paying to rent. Yeah. Like, oh, I never thought about that. I'm like, well, think about it. <laughs> it well, right. I mean, the article so talks like, about the average education. renter surveyed said they would need to earn, and again, might be a misinformed number, but yeah. close to 75 grand more a year in oh, order okay. to afford the an average home in their area in 2023. So again, they might just not be able to yeah, to do the math, like or they think that's the down payment they need. Math. Hey, listen, homes are expensive. Homes are. I mean, that's just the reality. And I think we are going to move into more of a renter world. Like that percentage is just going to continue to grow unless there's some kind of reset. Do you think that has a long term um, negative effect? Like, I I mean, ultimately it does because a home is a forced savings account. It's a way you build wealth. I'm well, I don't know about like, building wealth, but you, it's wealth, a definitely um, a forced savings account. Like you can sit there and yeah, debate all day long whether renting and investing hmm. the difference or owning a home is better. But when you own a home, you are like you have to pay it, <laughs> and that's it. It, a good part of that's going to your own piggy bank. And so when you sell it, you technically yeah. have that money. There, there's no doubt. There is zero doubt that the 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 difference between a have and a have not in our country is people who own a home and people who don't. If you look at any distribution of wealth. People who own a home, it's like we have 12%. Uh, uh, I, I, it's just the stats are crazy. You can go Google them. Mm-hmm. But if you have a house, you're, you're part of those who have. And if you don't, you're you're part of the group that is to have not. And I think to your point, Mike, you talk about unless there is a change. I mean, that's I'm not rooting for anything bad to happen to anyone listening or any home builder company, home building company anywhere. But the market is savagely unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, to the average American. And that is long-term not a good thing for our industry. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, what do we go to the builder 102 years from now and 92% of people can't afford what it is we're offering? How, how is that That's beneficial? why I think, Kevin, I was so excited earlier on our marketing call where we have that builder um, in the South that had from the high 100s. Was that, yeah, they, I think... I'm like, excuse Mike, me, they like, released send it a to neighborhood me. under two hundred thousand dollars for two bedroom homes, nine hundred square feet, and sold uh, twenty five or something in a day. It's like, and I think the total floor point like nine to eleven. There's a few that like on the higher end, which would then push it over two hundred. But I'm like, oh, well, that's now it's not in. I don't know. It's in an okay city, but it's not like oh, it's, it's not in Austin. It's not in Austin. It's not that, but it's where people live. And well, and I think that's the other affordable. part of, of this. Andrew, they're not saying can't afford a home in the Any, middle of anywhere. nowhere. Yeah. It's yeah. a home where they want to live. And yeah. so if you're paying $2,500, $3,000 a month in rent, and then you've, you have to go half a county or a county over, mm-hmm. then they don't feel like that's a trade-off worth making. Obviously, it's, it's not just about affordability because then they'd all move to Columbus, Ohio or, or Nebraska, right? Yeah. If that's, I think that's, yeah, that should be added in there, where they want to live. 
not saying you should buy a home where you don't want to live, but like for us, you go 45 minutes, that starter home is now 275 to 325. You right. can't afford it. You go where I'm at and now it's, it's 450. So yeah, compromise. But I think from a marketing, since this is a marketing, not an AI or technology podcast exclusively. Not yet. Not we yet. should probably talk about marketing Let's from a marketer's marketing. perspective. I think this is where we, we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks with our builders. You ha have to be talking about affordability. If you get to your homepage or uh, a main section of your website, and it is not talking about how you make home ownership affordable. And I don't care if you can afford it or not, or if you think it's affordable or not, you have to be connecting to the message and the place where most people are coming from. Right. Which is that you can't just talk about amazing lifestyle. And then say from the 800s, everyone's bouncing off your site. They're like, nope, let's go somewhere else. Let's let's look somewhere else. You have to get them to slow the heck down by having language that talks about the fact that you make your homes affordable. Yeah. And what that means, you can figure out later, but you gotta you gotta speak to this. You can't just ignore it. Agreed. Because their perception is that it's not affordable, even if Yeah, that's that's from they the beginning the of time, like, the two reasons people don't choose new construction, they think it's too complex, it's going to destroy their marriage or, or make them hate each other. And number two is they think they can't afford it. It's good. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So buy the new home. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> it's marriage therapy. <laughs> no. All right, back to back to our own deconvert.com. Uh, our own Bryce Baker wrote a fantastic article called The Art of Engaging with Your Audience and Driving Results. And um, you kind of just click the link in the show notes in real, in real life as far as like meeting them where essentially meeting them where, where they're at like what is their yeah their truth and what is their understanding i think the way she frames it in terms of using external data and internal data combined with where in the journey someone is uh is really insightful and i and then and just just for the sake of time and it's a i mean you can read this in a couple minutes you definitely should, should click the link and check it out but talking up your successes yeah, that's cool. It's a big part of, I mean, marketers generally are introverted people. Marketers generally, um, you know, that, that's part of a DNA difference between a salesperson and a marketer. But you have to talk up your successes in order to get that street credibility. Um, and not just externally, like not just celebrating the fact that you sold out phase one of your of your community, but internally letting everyone know what you did and a little bit of how it works. So they understand that it wasn't just you hitting a button in chat GPT and out came all this stuff. Right? That's not a good look. Like your arts and crafts joke, Mike is going to have about marketers is going to have to change to like playing around with AI while listening to Radiohead instead That's of right. arts and crafts. That's right. All right. Um, for the sake of time, we'll just do one more and then we'll get to favorites and call it an yeah. episode. Um, uh, what do you want to do? You want to talk Twitter's blue check Zillow's chat GPT plugin. I said, let's do Zillow since we're on the, we we're on the okay. AI train anyway. Yeah. So, um, and this is something else, uh, that Spencer Ra Raskoff mentioned is, uh, he, he runs a investment, uh, company, Sunny and 75, I think is the name of it. And he said, he just is getting pitched, you know, hundreds of companies who are going to use AI and some data set or service. And he's like, those are all just features that the major players are going to integrate. And you right. use this as an example. He's like, like today I was, I was pitched all these, all these companies are going to use AI to help people with their home search. And then wham, Zillow just says, <laughs> uh, we're going to use this 
on Zillow. And, and here you go. Now, in this case, what they've actually built, though, is a plugin, which, again, not everyone has access to. So uh, I'm a pay, paying subscriber to ChatGPT. Uh, but you still have to be on a separate wait list and get approved to be able to use plugins. And so in the link that you can hit, head over to at zillowgroup.com, you can watch a video of how this works. But it's an interface within ChatGPT itself. And then you turn on the Zillow plugin, which gives it access to the data set. Now, to the point you made a long time ago at the beginning, uh, Mike, this data set is protected. So right. what, chat, what, what OpenAI has done is said, if you create a plugin, you can wall off the data that ChatGPT has access to, and it will not be used to inform the language model for everyone else. In other words, uh, if Zillow and Realtor both use this functionality, it will not make ChatGPT better overall at real estate in a way that would help your competitor. That's the idea anyway uh, behind this. Gotcha. So in their example, you know, you can say, show me townhomes with two bedrooms and two bathrooms under 800 in Seattle. And ChatGPT will return relevant information from Zillow's database. Now, isn't that just search? That's to say, I feel very But very it's cool. Right it's like but a magic cool. trick search. You could type it. Well, I, okay, here, here's, uh, it is cool. And I'm glad that Zillow's done this. And yet what we know about home buyers is if they think they're missing out on one thing, they'll download a different app. They'll go to a different service just oh, to see sure. two extra pictures of a house that one platform doesn't have. And so it'll be interesting to hear as they, cause Zillow is very good about getting something out quickly, learning from it and iterating it. That, that's one of the, I mean, just tons of, you know, Ivy league <laughs> intelligent people, uh, working 24 hours on this stuff. But I think that's one of the things they might uncover is, is there's, to your point, Andrew, it's not about, is this truthful or not? It's like, to what degree am I maybe not seeing something that I still want to see? Yeah. Is this complete or not? Like, have I yeah. exhausted all my resources? And that's, I think that's what excites me more potentially is if, if some kind of plugin could tell a user what they might've missed. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, based yeah. on everything that you are doing, here are some other ones that you might have missed like that. Yeah. That AI is, is more exciting than a creative way to display results. Right. That That's my Clippy argument. I think yeah. we need to bring back Clippy on yep. builder websites to just hang out in the corner right. and say, Hey, I saw you looked at these two neighborhoods. You might've missed this one that yeah. you might've enjoyed yeah. or this floor plan. But like kudos. Amazon. Like, I mean, it's cool that Zill is doing it. Redfin, I think just did it or is doing it too. Saw something out from them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, at the end of the day, it's layering the, the, the GPT, whatever layered over the data is the magic. So whatever data set you've got, right. That, that's what, that's the tool. But, that's I, I guess it just, this whole, I'm just beating the dead horse of it's not learning. It's not uncovering no. the one home and saying, here's your one answer. Right. Because it can't do that. I'm mean, again, I just, I, all it can do is either return a list like a calculator quickly, give you, give you the results or it could make it educated guesses on the most average answer to what you're asking it, but it can't yet give you the one. Yeah. And again, would, would consumers even like that? I think, well, I mean, what consumers the- are in chat GPT that can get access to a plugin and all that stuff. I know we're just <laughs> right. next stuff, but right. you know, right. probably good for the stock price though. Yeah. Yeah. It is cool. Yeah. It is cool. Look, I'm glad, I'm glad someone's doing it. I like to watch it. That's right. That's, That's right. It's neat. Last point, and then we're going to go to favorites because this was also something that came up at, uh, over drinks at the Builder 100 is um, lots of people saying very nice things about the whole Do You Convert team and the content we put out. And and then someone made a comment about um, like, well, 
not that we were down on a particular topic and, and it was just a great chance to clarify. And everyone was kind of like, oh, and even the people that I think don't, they're like suspicious of me started to be very friendly with me after that is all we're trying to do is, is give full context to anything. There's always something to celebrate about whatever anyone has done. And my example would be if someone has a buy online service that is on, that they have on their website and they require their on-site sales team to use that service every time they sell a house. Now the, the full context that I think is missing is then if that builder trumpets that they're selling a bunch of homes online, but they're requiring that their on-site team use that tool to sell the home. And we work with someone like that uh, who's in multiple states. But if you're a public company and then you're trumpeting that, that's not the full context. And we wanna make sure people understand the full context. It's a little great. On the other hand, there's a whole bunch of other things to celebrate, like the ability to, to get all of your sales team on the same page, to, to functionally know how to use that tool, to implement it. Like we always wanna celebrate any part that, that we can about whatever anyone is doing. It's just trying to make sure that we give full context so that there aren't 15 other marketers who look at that idea, who don't understand the full context and go waste their time and energy on something that wouldn't be best for them. That's all we're trying to do. And they're like, oh, okay, can I buy a drink, Kevin? And I was like, yeah. So that's, uh, same, same goes with Zillow and the plugin. All right. Favorites. This is the part of the episode, uh, where we talk about our favorite things. Uh, it can be anything, uh, a book, uh, a movie, uh, video game. I don't think anyone's done that, but it could be. Food. Could be. All right. Here's my favorite. I'll tell you real quick. Uh, my wife is getting into golf. She's never golfed oh. in her life, hmm. but we have four more years with our youngest at home. And she's like, I want to be ready. When he's gone, retirement coming up. I want to be ready when he's gone that we can go golfing. And I said, babe, I support it. Um, and then she's like, you're going to get into this with me. And I was like, okay. And I golfed when I was younger in in high school, I was on the golf team because you could get Mm -hmm. out of school during school to go to these golf tournaments. And that's like my exposure to golf is like a, you know, a few years kind of focusing on it. I always thought golf was something you do because then you have an excuse to travel to places that. Um, you just have an excuse now. I, you Sorry, know, what? Mike, we have to go here. I they think there's the a best course. People golf for a lot of reasons. I don't know what it would be. That's, I think you're, that's one of them for sure. Soon. It's an excuse networking. I've heard networking. anyway, it's, very it's, stressful. It's, it's enjoyable. It's very enjoyable to do together. Nate's getting into it. He's left-handed, which makes it a little bit harder. Actually, he's right-handed, but he swings left and a whole nother story. Yeah. One of my um, kids is the same. Um, but the most interesting thing is learning golf when I was, you know, 16, 17 versus learning golf today. Cause I kind of have to relearn. I could swing and I could kind of make connections with the balls. Okay. The amount of information that is out there one on YouTube, where I don't even, you don't even need a coach. Like you just need someone to look at you and tell you what you're doing wrong. And two, the retargeting is insane. So like, just once you look at a couple yeah. of things online, Oh my gosh, oh. I'm a golfer now, supposedly, I, but right? it's, it's really amazing on, on what you can get the, I think golf is probably one of the bigger ones of just so many people telling you what to do and how to do it online. It's insane. So that's kind of fun right now. Yeah, I, that's fun. And the remarketing thing is hilarious because I've, I've said for many years, if, if I, if I died and became reincarnated as a different marketer, I would want to be in either the baby industry or the golf industry. Cause yeah. those are, or, or the pet industry. Those are, those are three rabid groups of individuals and they know, they know without a shadow of a doubt that you want to know about their little tool that can give you this extra little edge. It's insane. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I, at the beginning, you're like, oh, what? And I'm like, okay, wait, no. Not all of these things can do all of that because we'd be on the PGA Tour. That's no, true. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Andrew, what do you got? Uh, we just finished watching, I think it's called The Jury on Amazon, hmm. on Amazon Prime. So they have one person who is a real person. Everyone else. Oh, I've heard all, about this. Yes, yes, act- yes. Tell me. They're it's, all they're actors. Not- uh-huh. And they, this whole thing, everyone's in on it. It's like the, what's that? The Truman Show? Uh, Jim Carrey? Mm-hmm. Except that's so there's a movie. one. There's one person who doesn't know that this whole thing it, is an act. And it's real. So it's like reality TV. He thinks uh-huh. it's real. And so you're watching it and then you're like, wow, this is a weird dude. This is a weird guy. But then each actor, you're like, that's an actor. But like, I believe this person is actually that person right now. For example, this feels like chat GPT and AI. There's this guy that has all these gadgets of every little thing that makes no sense like the most useless stuff. So he pulls into court and he has like these crutches that hook onto his butt. And so he could sit stand and the judge is like, is there a problem with the chair? And it's the most awkward like situation. And he's super awkward, but I'm like, this is kind of like chat GPT and like, Hey, right now, like, yes, it's a tool, but maybe we shouldn't apply it to this, but it's hilarious. I think it's great. It's casual, easy viewing. It's not, you're not going to be obsessed with it, but it is good. The jury. Yeah. That's, that's the next, you know, once we're all done with our 90 day fiance, options that Melanie's obsessed with. I'll try to push us over. And it just, I like how you throw that out there, Kevin, that Melanie's obsessed with. Oh, she is. That's all. I mean, but you still, if it's not a thousand pound sisters or 90 day fiance, she's like, okay, Kevin, you can watch something, but otherwise we have to watch that stuff. It's thousand pound sisters, Amy. I think there's the, yeah, Amy and Tammy. You got it. Oh, they're great. (laughs) And now that we have a producer, I can curse and she can bleep it out, but you, you got to that's right. That's the, that's how they talk to each other. So All mean. right. Um, my favorite is, I mean, it, I feel like it's obscure, but it's, it's obviously not. There's a, there's a podcast called conversations with Tyler. It escapes me at this moment who Tyler is, but he's some very famous college professor, uh, who also has a podcast and he talks to famous people and usually asks them very different questions. Like, I feel like he has one of those decks of cards that you see advertised online about how to ask interesting questions to people. Um, and he interviewed Kevin Kelly. I listened to this on my flight home, who is the founder of Wired Magazine, I believe, or the uh, an executive editor of Wired Magazine, world traveler. And um, just asked him over and over his advice on different things. Kevin Kelly wrote a book uh, about uh, excellent advice for a living. And it's just fascinating to hear how somebody travels all over the world what they view as important, um, how they view time with their children and just lots of anecdotal, interesting things um, to listen to. But I thought this one point was really interesting is at the beginning, he said, what is your advice about advice? And Kevin said, well, advice is really just things we're supposed to remember. So this idea of it used to be a tribe of elders and you would, you would have this knowledge that was shared with others based upon life experience. But his point is, there's not anything new. It's not like new advice, a new secret. It's just, it's ingesting it or observing it in a way that reminds us of something that we already know, but it's the remembering that's important. And I thought that was, uh, that was an, if you liked the way that I just described that, you'll like that episode. I'm going to go subscribe. I'm looking for some good podcasts. It's one of those things like Lex Friedman's podcast. I've had a lot of people tell me they've appreciated the podcast recommendations and are addicted to to All In and others. Um, Lex Friedman, Joe Rogan, uh, Conversation with Tyler. I don't listen to all of them. 
but if you if you it's one of those ones you just go through and if you see someone uh, interesting or it's a subject that's interesting i'll dive in because they tend to be longer form episodes oh yeah definitely all right that'll do it for this week we'll see you again soon see y'all see you everybody thanks for joining us on another episode of market proof marketing can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers become a member of our private community dyc all access which is 100 free and always will be get exclusive content not shared anywhere else access to private events and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peak, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof. <laughs>